What did you guys eat for breakfast? Uh, I ate for breakfast uh, some tuna fish and a cheesecake bite. <laughs> uh, I had um, what, what the what did, what did I have? I don't remember. Uh, raisin bran. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 93. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. If you enjoy the podcast, there are a couple of ways you can help support me and spread the word. You can buy some merch at store.musiconyourownterms.com and also sign up for the mailing list to stay in the loop. What would really help right now is to go to Podcast Magazine's website at podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot50 and vote for the podcast in their Hot 50 monthly chart. This go-around features one of my favorite bands to come out of the last 10 years, Black Crown Initiate. Guitarist Andy Thomas and vocalist James Dorton talk about the very real and very emotionally taxing situation of creating their new album, dealing with not being able to tour because of the COVID situation, and what that means for the band and their mental health. We learn about how the guys got into music, what other projects they are working on, and their thoughts on how AI and social media are negatively affecting society. This episode is definitely up there as one of the deepest and more interesting conversations I've had thus far. Blackground Initiate are a band who I really resonate with on a very deep level, and I think that is largely because of the incredible amount of emotion they pour into their music. As you'll hear in the interview, Andy comments on his own emotional disposition, and although he expresses that he is fundamentally okay, it absolutely illustrates the effect of the situation we find ourselves in on our mental health as a society, whether that is musicians that can't play live, music fans that don't have an outlet in terms of live shows, or other creatives that find themselves unable to be productive. The effect on mental health in the creative community is definitely something I will explore in future episodes of the podcast. This week's suggested artist is UK band Sludge, spelled S-L-U-G-D-G-E. If I remember correctly, I found out about this band as a suggested artist on Bandcamp a few years ago, and loved the way they constructed their songs. The newest album you're hearing, Esoteric Melancholy, has a killer production, and is in my opinion one of the top progressive death metal albums that came out in 2018. Give them some love on social media, check out their music on Bandcamp, and let them know that you heard about them here. 
Here is my interview with Andy and James of Black Crown Initiate. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm uh, stoked to be interviewing uh, guys from Black Crown Initiate, uh, James and Andy. Welcome. Thank Absolutely. you so much for being here. Thanks yep. for having us, bud. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I, I've been a, a fan since the EP came out. I bought it right away. It was absolutely killer. blew me away. Um, and so, yeah, I've been following you ever since. And I, I, you know, way before I had a podcast, I wish I had my podcast when I saw you live in Boston because I would have kind of had the, uh, you know, the confidence to come up and say hi, but that be that as it may. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's talk about um, the band situation right now. Are you guys without a drummer? Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, we're out in a, we're without an official drummer, although, I mean, it's not really, right it's now, not really it's a pressing not. issue, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what, one thing we've learned over the years is that you have to like, not only do you need somebody who's very talented, I mean, Jesse Beeler had some big shoes to fill, uh, but you also need somebody who you can get along with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which is more important. I mean, they're both equally important, but that that's tough. That's a tough dynamic to, to sort out so it takes some touring to do yeah i mean i think with with you know the kind of music you play it's it's difficult to find people i mean not so much now with with the world of youtube where everyone's like plays faster than light you know and five-year-olds at nam and whatnot Mm -hmm. but but it's still it's a definitely a niche um you know music and it's also technical so you have you know to be able to find someone that can play the material and to get along is is difficult so um let's talk about uh the setup of the band i mean you you started off was it just yourself and ethan and james growing up or did james come later well the the band started with james nick and i okay um sorry nick yeah ethan was like an earlier incarnation of the group yeah yeah we had like a we had like a band that we played together before that was with nick and James and Ethan and I, but Ethan, I, I see it a lot in interviews and I, I try to clear it up. Although I, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but Ethan was never in the band before we actually asked mm. Ethan to be in the band and the circumstances of his life dictated that he could not be at the time. Uh, and he traveled a bunch and like went to Africa and did a bunch of weird shit cause he's a weird guy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just worked out this time. Just in time awesome. for the world to stop, my friend. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, how how's that going for you? I mean, it, it obviously it sucks for everyone. Yeah. Um, like the the new album. I mean that that's gotta be tough that you can't go out and promote it. Um, but have, is is there been any um, positive, um, you know, situations that have come out of not being touring but being having this material that people are. Maybe maybe a bit more receptive to new music just because they can't do anything else right now or have so far, you know. To be honest, I haven't really seen too much that I would uh, that I would categorize as positive. Um, I don't. I'm not saying that from from an overly negative perspective either, because I guess the fact that I'm still alive and, and, and I'm still here that's 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 positive for sure. But um, I don't think I've really personally processed how I don't think I've allowed myself to process how heartbreaking it is to work that hard on something and to have it be uh, just released into the void that is the world right now. Yeah. 
Um, and I think, I think if I really let myself go too far into that, I would think about how the album before it got fucked up royally by a record label. And it just kind of, it kind of leaves you with these questions of, well, at least me, I, 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 James can speak for himself, but it leaves me with these questions of uh, why am I doing this? Because right. I, I, you know, you put so much of yourself into something and I mean, now I wait tables, you know? So without it, the, the long, the long way, uh, the long and short of it is, is without touring, it's tough to see mm-hmm. what, what the, uh, what the road is, you know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you spend years doing something and I think it, you are the product of what you do. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, we toured for years, you know, and like for better, or for worse, you know, it broke us, you know, at varying degrees as people like, like it, it would, um, you know, a certain degree of, of trauma, even I think that kind of comes out from, from doing sure. that kind of thing. Um, but it becomes a part of you and yeah. you know, this record for my part, was the hardest I've ever like gone on myself to make, to make something happen, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and do it in the best way. I think it shows as well. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It really is. And uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's so like to just, to not be able to, you, you know, I think f- you try your best to roll with the punches in any given situation like this, you know, like it's not like it's it's a real exercise in accepting what you cannot control and doing what you can in the meantime. But like, you know, I think about playing live all the time and I just, I want to play a show, you know, like after a while of not doing it, it's just like, You spent so long, like honing, honing this thing, you know, and especially for myself, I was not any good when I started. So I spent a while like trying to get better. And now like, uh, it feels like the rug's been yanked under you for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a good jumping off point. Cause honestly, you're one of my favorite uh, extreme vocals, vocalists right now. Thank you. Um, I I love the tone of your voice. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about the, um, you know, the, the things you're doing, like you, you put in Mongolian throat singing, which obviously is is using your instrument, you know, to a different level. And like, you know, you do voice work and you're obviously someone that really explores the instrument a yeah. lot. So, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting that you say, oh, well, it was no good because it just doesn't fly in my mind a little bit. But do, do you find yourself... Um, putting a lot of effort into like varying de- degrees of technicality and, and exercises and stuff like that to keep, keep it progressing. If uh, I don't know, man. I think for, for me, vo- voice is just kind of like a, it's just like a manifestation of who I am. So I, I don't really think like, okay. I kind of like, it's been a while since I've really thought about improving my vocals from like some, like particular standpoint, I think it's just something that sort of happens organically over time. Um, sure. I like, 
I feel like there's this, this thing that I hear in my head. Um, and every time I try to hit it, I don't, I don't quite land. <laughs> I don't quite land it, but it, it does land me somewhere new. And then, you know, once mm. I've, it's just, I just get a new springboard from, from that point. So I don't know. I don't know is, is my answer. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I was listening to a, another podcast uh, this afternoon and you were both talking about how, you know, you're writing the album and you can't play it mm. yet. Yeah. So that's kind of what Rush did almost like they're, they're always writing this stuff that, that they can't play and they had to get into it to, to be able to play yeah. it live. Um, so you, you find that you just hear this stuff and, and you just can't play it yet and you just go for it basically. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, I mean, I can speak from my own experience that like vocals, especially is very different. And I'm sure James would agree. Yeah. It's very different between the studio and live mm. and um you really don't know to what degree you can pull something off until you do it live and oftentimes for me it's it's been and a humbling experience to be like oh shit i know i've got a lot i've got a lot to work on here um but vocals in and of themselves are something that um you really especially in the live application you really just have to do over and over and over again. Um, you know, which is kind of a, another reason why this whole thing's a shame. I mean, it's a shame on so many levels, but so I, I can't even, I guess I sound selfish saying, well, I can't play shows, but it's difficult because I don't know what the fuck else to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, definitely seems, I mean, you just got signed to uh, Century Media, so it does seem like you, you're still in the, um, uh, the record label mindset, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it was, is there any, is there any reason or how, I, I think I should rephrase that. Um, had you ever thought of doing the DIY row or is it just, you, you want to concentrate on the music more? I mean, you know, uh, that's something what, I've what's been, your opinion? that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, obviously, because I've had a lot of time to think. And I think, um, obviously there's a lot, a lot of merit, to the DIY route for sure. And I would never, you know, I would never say that for some, I mean, obviously like look at periphery now or, or bands like that, that are, mm -hmm. that are actually, I mean, but the thing, the thing about this type of music and periphery, even as successful as they are, they would say is, you know, you need to find multiple income streams regardless of how big your band is. And with that in mind, I think, Instead of trying, I, I think, I think social media, I mean this, I'll, I'll get to my point, but I think social media largely has made particularly metal music, uh, not very dangerous anymore. And in, in a way that I don't like, and, um, you know, it's, it's sort of, you're supposed to embrace social media and, 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 and be, you know, open with your fans and be, you know, always immediately available to everyone at all times. And you're supposed to tell everyone how you do everything on social media, what you fucking, what your shit looked like this morning. But <laughs> in reality, that's not dangerous. And I think what I've been kind of coming to lately is like, I really do just want to make music. Like I really do. Like, I don't care about the other stuff. And mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because this is a time period where you're really supposed to, and you're supposed, you know, everyone says, well, you, you have to adjust 
to the way the music industry is 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 moving and you have to you know adjust your you have to have social media presence you have to and i i i've went along with that for a little while and i don't think i'm interested in that anymore um i for one i i don't use facebook anymore but that's that's entirely personal but mm -hmm. the dane um the the diy route is fine if you're willing to really do everything yourself but i find that i it takes enough of my energy just making music and it takes enough of my energy now because i have to work a full-time job serving tables so right. you know i'm sorry that i don't want to talk about what my shit looked like this morning or, <laughs> right I, i'm sorry i'm sorry that i don't want to talk to anyone you know it's just it's i don't know it's an interesting time and i'm not complaining i'm still i'm glad I'm glad that people like our music. I'm glad that people waited years for us. I'm glad that we got signed again. I'm glad that people are fans. But to be honest, I don't think I'm interested in doing this again the way we just did it. And I, I think, mm. you know, I, it, would, it would depend on who you would ask in our band. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm content if this is the way things are going to be to just play Metallica riffs in my room. It's a lot, it's a lot less emotionally draining. <laughs> right. Um. How about you, James? Do you have an opinion on, on the current events of social media? You know, I like, I, I've always been a bit of a chameleon, I think, when it comes to the world and, and people in general. I think social media is one of those things that it's, it, it's certainly evolving a certain way. And it's hard for me to really like, like I, I've kind of like reached a, a place where I don't feel particularly like emotionally, like I'm a pretty emotionally indifferent, I guess, to it. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, like I run, I, I, I have, I'm, I'm mostly self-employed. So I, I have kind of the liberty to do all the social media stuff myself and i've kind of like can make that my my gig but and i think you know from for it like to that end it's been kind of interesting to like look at the science of like how it works and how it's affected people but um social media is an existential threat for sure because it has created a tailored reality for everyone that uses mm -hmm. it. Whereas prior to social media, you could have shared experiences. And those are the only experiences that you really had. But because Facebook and Instagram, they get money when you click on something. So they don't really care if it's true or the AI doesn't really care if it's true. No. What it cares about is that you click the thing. So like, you know, whatever, if it's fake news or something like that, it reinforces something in you that it doesn't reinforce in others. And it causes whole nations to go to war with each other for real. This is for real an existential threat. And the world has kind of like been overrun with this whole like it's coming fast like artificial intelligence 
and social media, like the effect, we, it's happening so fast we can barely understand what's happening as it's happening. Like we don't really get the, the time to analyze it. So, no. you know, it, it's sort of, I, I'm kind <laughs> of like, you know, I've, I've had cancer and like sort of had to have that whole like line of thinking where you think you might die like several times in my life. And so watching all this go down, I'm not terribly, again, you know, emotionally affected. Um, I, I, I always joke that I feel like I'm living on borrowed time, which I don't know if that's actually true or not. Sometimes it feels like that's a thought that I, is reinforced, but watching it go down the way it's going down in the terrible way that it's going down is certainly a thing, but it's hard for me to really like come to grips with like how I feel about it. If that makes sense. Cause I'm just, I'm kind of okay. just like, Holy shit. Half the time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I try, I try to just remain un unaffected as best I can, you know, which okay. is not always possible, but like, I think that is how I have had to learn to be okay. <laughs> wow, thank, yeah. thank you for sharing that. That's that's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder if you're comfortable talking about. Uh, let's see, where could I go with that? <laughs> I have brain farts. I'm old. It's okay. Um, Me too. <laughs> did you ever get your camper? Me, I did. Okay. Yes, and I haven't really you? had the time to do too much with it you know but i really i really uh it's a wonderful thing and and you know if we ever get to play live it's going to be an amazing experience for andy <laughs> you know but yeah I, I really do appreciate everybody that contributed to that that was kind of that was incredible awesome. that was i mean and that's the thing i know i come off as like negative sometimes and sometimes i am but there is i mean there is a lot to be thankful for i just it's tough to see where all this is going. And then, and then, you know, mm. well, I think, I think the reason why you're one of my favorite bands is because I relate so well. And I think that's a nature of being musicians that put their, their emotion into something. Mm -hmm. And I think when that's taken away from you, it does. It's, I think it's a, a serious conversation about mental health that we need to have because, sure. you know, so many artists are just like, the rug's been pulled and now they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting phenomena right now because we were sort of the, you know, and I get why I get why this happened uh, to a degree, but mm. we were kind of the segment of society that didn't fucking get asked. <laughs> it was just sort mm. of like, you guys are done. And yeah. you know, you know, all this, uh, and, and it's, it's kind of, to me, I think what drives me crazy about it is just the constant uncertainty. And I don't, I don't like living like that. And I think that's maybe where a lot of the mental illness comes from or the mental issues come from is like, well, if I don't know if and when I'm ever going to do this again, why wouldn't I just close the book on it? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't, why would I sit here with my dick in my hands for a year and a half or however long? It, it would take and in you know when i could just move on with my life if this isn't if this isn't how it's supposed to go 
You know what I'm saying? I'm not, you know. Absolutely. Obviously, it's not that simple because it is something that's very, very powerful and very important to all of us, for sure. But, I mean, it's kind of, at this point, when you look into the future with, with somewhat realistic eyes, I mean, people won't even, people won't even shake each other's hands anymore. Which I think I think is I think that's a damn shame, pandemic or not, because I I mean we're losing we're losing parts of human human interaction and contact that we will never gain back. Which that's another discussion entirely. But live music, people getting into a room with each other, I don't. I mean, I I don't. I mean, when when will that happen again? And will that like what will that look like? I mean, I don't. And that's the other thing about all this stuff. Like, I don't want to play live stream shows. I don't want to play shows to people in bubbles. I don't want to play shows to people in cars. That's not what any of this is about for me. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's it's just, it's tough. It's I mean, not rock and I roll should say also, all. <laughs> no, I don't. Not at all. And, I, and I, should, I should say that I am okay. I'm fundamentally okay. You know, I have a beautiful that's life. Good. I have a beautiful significant other. I have a wonderful house i live in a beautiful place i have two wonderful dogs i have a family that i love and that loves me i have wonderful friends but you know or, or rather and or but it's just you know how far are people willing to go for the illusion of safety in a world where you're ultimately going to die anyway uh that that kind of drives me that that that's something that keeps me awake at night. how how safe do you need to be and how safe were you ever really? This is also true. Yeah, my, I have the so, same. I, I mean, have the same feeling. I like, you know, it's hard. To, it's hard to know what the future will hold. But yeah, it's hard to know what the future will hold, man. I think it makes it difficult. And we're in an occupation where we're being asked to just do nothing yeah. for mm-hmm. six, you know, for fifteen days to flatten the curve, for what eight months now. 14 days to flatten the curve now eight months and now what a year and a half what the fuck are we supposed to do you know and that's i mean that's that's an existential question what the fuck are we supposed to do so i mean the answer that i'm kind of getting to in my own life as of now is move on with your fucking life and um the problem that 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 sort of puts out for the future is if you move on with your life from something like this and you get too entrenched in whatever else that looks like, if at some point somebody goes, you know what, guys, I really overreacted here. This is stupid. Not that, not that we knew that. Not that we knew that. But as this, to- as this goes on and on, I have to say it's getting more and more ridiculous. Um, but as that moves on and as we move on, are we supposed to just go, you know, two years from now, Oh, I, you know, I got married. I bought a house. I did whatever I did during this time. Let's go out and hit the road again, boys. I'll be 36. You know, I got to be realistic about what, what this, what this actually is and what this is actually doing. And, you know, you know, people save our stages, save our stages. Well, sure. Sure. But what does that actually mean? You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry to come across as, as, Whatever no, I'm, I'm coming across, totally fine. Um, it just makes me emotional, and I, you know, obviously am prone to be overly emotional. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's anything to uh, to apologize for because it's it's a reality. Yeah, you know, it's it's absolute reality. Um, but that being said, um, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about uh, you know, you you guys getting into music in the first place. Yeah. Just to get some history of the band and you know how how did you start playing guitar and James how did you start singing? Go ahead, Jamie. How did I start singing? Um, you know, I always tell people that I think <laughs> uh, the reason I got into doing extreme metal vocals is because I wanted to be Godzilla when I was a kid, when I grew up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I started pretty young. You know, like I think when I first started doing vocals in 1996, as far as like extreme mm-hmm. stuff, um, and I, I did choir. And that type of thing when I was like really very young and also in college. I did too. Also in college. Um, so I don't know. It's just one of those things I've always been sure about. Um, it's one of those things people have always encouraged me to do throughout my life. So yeah, man, that's, that's about the long and short of it. I've just always done it and never stopped. <laughs> so it's always been that so, way. So was there a, was there a vocalist that you, uh, you know, saw that really inspired you or is it just Godzilla? You know, like when I was a kid, it was heck, you know, oh heck. I think my first metal band was Rammstein. So I started doing Rammstein vocals and I started like around the same time. um, I'd also discovered Morbid Angel. So it was like some combination of that and like also hearing Metallica and also hearing like um, I think I'd heard Venom back then from an older kid. Wow. Um, like a much older kid that used to skateboard around our neighborhood. And, mm. um, so, you know, it, it's kind of started out that way. And then as I went along and, and my appreciation for what I was doing grew, I started to have a better ear, I think for what singers I liked and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm what what i sort of sought out what i was seeking yeah awesome uh andy yeah um i grew up my dad is like a very both both my parents have have very pretty excellent taste in music i feel um my mom was a big like genesis and peter gabriel fan i'm still a huge peter gabriel yeah, fan me too. Um, my dad was into you know, classic rock and, and classic progressive rock, I guess you would say. So I grew up with a lot of exposure to Jimi Hendrix and the Mahavishnu Orchestra and King Crimson. Awesome. And, uh, you know, yes, Genesis again, like I said, but, you know, um, just like Billy Cobham albums and stuff like that. And I, I never... I never really spent a bunch of time I, I, in, in college. I spent some time with jazz a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's just not my thing. I really respect the fuck out of it, but I think the older I get, the more I realize that I am really just a, a, a bonehead metal head and that's, that's okay. But, um, mm-hmm. I, the, the, the turning point for me was definitely like, I, my dad asked me if I wanted a guitar when I was like nine and he, and I, he got me a Fender Telecaster which I wish I still had. I like traded it for like a shitty Ibanez guitar that looked like one that the dudes from Korn were playing, but was way cheaper. And I, I it was an idiot move. I wish I had a telly now. 
Although I do have a green uh, eight-string telly that I love, mm. but um, from Balaguer Guitars. But uh, the the turning point for me and the turning point, you know, remains Metallica. Um, I am to this day I listen to Metallica every day, um, particularly Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Injustice for All. Those mm-hmm. those albums, uh, Injustice for All was really the when I was a little kid, I, I heard it and I just couldn't believe that that music could sound like that. And then I got into, you know, extreme metal kind of happened for me pretty quickly because I, I literally heard the term. I was like, oh, there's extreme metal. Like, that sounds cool. Um, and I remember I got, I think the first extreme metal album I got was I went to a movie with my dad and I was like, dad, there's this band called Cradle of Filth. And they have this album called Cruelty and the Beast, and it's supposed to be like the heaviest thing ever. And he was like, oh, cool, let's go buy it. So we went and bought it, and I got that. And I got, then shortly after that, I got In Flames Colony. I got Destroy, Erase, Improve by Meshuga, and I got Blackwater Park. I got those three albums on the same day. Uh, and day. Um, that was pretty much it. For, yeah, that was pretty much <laughs> it for me. And then I got, shortly after that, I got Natural Born Chaos by Soil Work. Um, Around, you know, shortly after that, I got into Leviathan by Mastodon and From Mars to Sirius by Gojira. And I mean, that sort of, that sort of music, those, those pedigree bands, those like cornerstone bands are the bands that, and James and I have had discussions about this. Those are the bands that we aspire to still. We want to be a, we want to be a cornerstone band if, if we can, if we're allowed if, yeah, if, if the world will let us, uh, James, are you still? Is is how do you pronounce the other band's name? Replicaya Sire, Replicaya, Replicaya. Awesome. So yeah, I I did hear some music with you on it. Is that correct? Like a little while ago? No, no, it wasn't no. you on it. Oh, I thought there was a demo or something floating. Around. I am. Okay. Yeah, I'm heard. relatively new to Replicaya, relatively speaking. It's been like two years. Um. So we are almost done writing a record and I will have out something with them probably next year sometime. Um, It'll be a little, a little different than what people are, than what people are used to from me. I think that shit is insane. Yeah. It's pretty wild. (laughs) It's pretty wild. So Um, what I wanted to ask, I know it's, it's difficult to see the, uh, the future obviously Mm -hmm. with what we've discussed, but like, do you ever, uh, is that style of vocals, is it something you'd be able to do two sets if, if both bands were yeah. on tour? Or is it something that you, you'd basically say no? Or yeah, it I can is? do two sets. I like, I rehearse um, like every other day. And usually what I do, I do like long stretches of like several hours. So yeah, it's, I, I, have, I have to keep myself in shape. <laughs> if I don't, then mm-hmm. it it tanks really hard and and yeah i like from my voice requires a lot of a lot of maintenance <laughs> so mm-hmm. speaking voice and otherwise awesome right so, absolutely yeah. awesome um so i'd like to go into a, a section that's the non quick fire question round okay um what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did that teach you wow I've got a few of those. There, there have been a lot. Um, yeah, I got a few. I think for me, 
Uh, hmm. Which one do I want to? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no. sorry. I think I think um, there was a fair stretch of time for me where I where I did uh, I did a lot more drugs than you should, which I don't count marijuana as as a drug personally. Um, but you also didn't use uh, you've never used a, that one very much. No, that's never really been my thing. Although I I do use it sparingly now. And I enjoy it a little bit, but um, I, I basically messing around with substances, uh, particularly cocaine and hard liquor, um, not having those be a part of my life anymore, uh, really, uh, re it really helps you kind of uh, to answer like, what did I learn from it? I don't, I mean, I learned on a basic level don't fuck with stuff like that. But um, it really helps you like, people get real cliche about it, like it helps you face yourself or whatever. And I don't know if that's exactly what it is, but it helps you clearly, or at least more clearly understand this, this whole thing that is life. And uh, which that's, uh, that's a whole lot to try to understand uh, at, uh, at times. Well, always really. And, just not doing, not doing shit that is hyper destructive to your body. Although I still smoke cigarettes and I still drink beer, but that's that's a good that's a, that was a good thing for me. Awesome, thank you, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Sure. What about you, James? Hmm. Man. Negative thing. Um. Well, I've had my share. For sure. I I think the most notable one likely is dealing with getting skin cancer, melanoma. Um because I think it you you kind of are forced to accept the fact that you could be dead at some point very soon. Um I spent a year or so kind of like knowing in the back of my mind that my melanoma could at any point have dropped into my uh, lymphatic system and then into my blood. When that happens, mm. you're likely fucked, <laughs> especially when you're like a younger guy getting it because your metabolism is faster. So, it metastasizes more quickly. Um, so, you know, I think that like throughout that process and like a lot of other bad things happened to me around the same time when that happened, like my dog died and Aww. which oh, good old Harold, you know, he, he, which happens to everyone, you know, um, that's the worst this, thing. Yeah. It's, this one was pretty impactful, you know, like I, I yeah. adopted him when I first moved out on my own and, you know, it, like I'd had him, he was my best buddy for like 10 years. And then, so it was like losing your best friend, you know, after yeah. having him. That was how Carl so, was too. Yeah. And it was just like, that happened. I got hit by a Uber driver. Like my oh. mom's brother died from a heroin overdose. Like all this stuff happened in like a two week period. It was really crazy. 
Um, wow. Like, it wrecked my back. I couldn't work because my back was wrecked. And I was, like, wondering if there's cancer in my body. And my dog is dead. And my uncle is dead. It was just, like, it was kind of, like, this very um, overwhelming point. And in the past, I had had issues with less serious cancers that had made me so anxious I had had the first panic attacks I'd ever had. Mm. And uh, overcame that somehow. But I think yeah, I had... Anxiety is terrible. Yeah. So I think overcoming anxiety in the process of that was, was what I did. I, um, I don't deal... With like since that point, I think that you just have to realize that you might just die, <laughs> and uh, when you do, because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So dead. Uh, it is what it is. Yep. So well, thank thank you for sharing that, and you know, uh, really uh, appreciate that. Um, but to flip it around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow, let's say, music as a journey? Hmm. I mean, it's a very broad thing, but hmm. well, that 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 problem or that negative thing that I just discussed was ultimately the positive thing because it I attracted a bunch of really cool things into my life without knowing it, or in the case of the band, back into my life. Hmm. Um, so. I guess you could look at the two as, as ultimately intertwined. The positive that came from that negative uh, is the, really the reason that I am where I am today, which is, like I said, pretty, you know, uh, with with considering the, the entire world seems to be falling apart. I'm relatively well-adjusted, and I live in a place that I love with a person that I love. And, uh, that's awesome. you know, so that's the positive. And, and you know... Like I said, I, I have I, I have the ability to make the music that I want, you know, um, to to a degree. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. James, same question. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say ditto. the The biggest like challenges you overcome give you the biggest opportunities. I think they're the biggest opportunities for growth. And when you grow, that's when good things start to come to you. I think, or you find them. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and fi- final question is, what does music mean to you? I think it's, oh God, that's a, that's a tough question. It's not a bad question. It's, it's a good one, but it's a tough one. Um, I think, and I think it goes for a lot of creative, mind, creative minded people, uh, and that's a broad term, but it's a way it's a way for me to not be so goddamn emotionally unavailable, Mm. Um, which for whatever reason I've learned to be over my life, I think. I mean, I'm a very emotional person, but I don't process other people or my own emotions oftentimes. I don't want to say properly, but necessarily immediately and helpfully. and that's sort of something that I'm trying to to do better at, but that's, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. But music I think is, is maybe a way to, 
fundamentally do that, but also, and ironically, it's a way for you to lose track of yourself in a number of ways. And one of those ways is when you play music in front of people. You know, mm -hmm. you get to forget who you are for a little while. You get to forget everything and just do whatever you want, which I guess, you know, that's music is, is a way to that way to do that. But it's also, it's also a way, and I've said it before, it's a way because when something, when an idea, although I hesitate to call them that, when, when, when a, when a, when a chunk of musical information presents itself to you, um, I have this feeling oftentimes that it's had really had nothing to do with me. Like, it's just like, well, there it is. Okay, cool. So it's more, it's more of a, an experience of being receptive. But I think maybe on a universal level, music exists to make, and I guess the same would be for, you know, film or painting or any other artistic medium. Although I, I don't really, I'm not really comfortable with the word art personally. Um, but it's a way to mold the, the abstract into something tangible. Mm -hmm. and that that's really kind of crazy too and that like it's you know you ever hear a song where you where you're like you just you immediately love it and you have i get this feeling that I, it's this feeling of familiarity that i can't really describe and mm -hmm. i think that's exactly that is you know you haven't necessarily heard that song before but you know that you know whatever that is you've experienced whatever that is and you know we get to do that i guess for, for whatever reason and i think it's ultimately interesting because you get to do that for people and yourself because you because you were conditioned to be so goddamn emotionally unavailable in the first place mm -hmm. so it's like uh music it's like this you yeah. know absolutely and thank you james i think for me music is or eventually became a way for me to one obtain like some level of freedom because it's like you mm -hmm. like you said when you go on stage it's like a relinquishment you know you can just be purely in the moment with that um but i think i think for me it's like a combination of that and also learning how to sort of like let out something in myself that is it's i don't know it's, it's sort of hard to describe but it's it's like an it's like an element of myself that doesn't otherwise really get kind of relinquished or freed so yeah performing especially performing live and doing this just makes me like It's like it's like a pure state of of like furor or frenzy, you know, like some kind of like Dionysian kind of mind state that I've always just cut, really resonated in very well. And, and for for like my part, which may be kind of a unique, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't really hear people talk about this very much, but for my part, I feel like a big part of it is 
is that. It's like that. I don't know. To me, that's a front man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just like, I don't know. That's, and that's why I, that's why I can't do it because I'm not that, I'm not that particular type of personality that you are. I feel, I feel, I, I do feel like you could do it in your own way. After seeing you on stage, after seeing you on stage with Rivers, that was a pretty special experience, <laughs> you know? Yeah. When I, when I wore the, uh, when I wore the booty shorts and the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, this this chick was in the front row taking pictures of my gut, yeah. and I just felt like a total piece of shit. Uh, are there pictures circulating? I couldn't tell you, man. I haven't looked. You know, because uh, because if I if it is, I definitely uh, I definitely wouldn't want my girlfriend to see again. it because she'd never have sex with me again. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's true because she does in the first place. It's her own problem. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's out there. It's out <laughs> awesome. there somewhere. I'm sure. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's a great and you know note to end on. Um, where can people find out about the band? Instagram, uh, Facebook, 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 Instagram, social yeah. media. We have uh, yeah, okay. we talked about how much we love social media, but we have a Bandcamp. Uh, we're on mm -hmm. Spotify. We're on. I'm sure we're on iTunes, YouTube, Deezer, wherever you title, wherever you, yeah, um, Twitter. I'll, 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 you know, just if you Google it, you'll you'll have no problem. <laughs> National Geographic, Washington Post, <laughs> you know, Forbes, Penthouse, Forbes, yeah, yep, yep, Men's right. Health, and and I like to, <laughs> I I like to play a song at the end of the episode. Um, uh, if I can get permission, um, of course. What song would you like to play? Uh, what do you think, Jamo? And of course, you can have permission, man. Uh, Thank you. If yeah, if you need our permission, I wasn't sure if you meant like YouTube or something. Um, I hell. Uh, off the new album, um, maybe Son of War. Which one? Either one. Maybe S O N. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Play Son of War. S O N. Why not? Okay. Will do. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join me. Um, so yeah, uh, good luck. Let's hope everything gets back to normal, quote unquote. Yeah, we don't we don't know, and I'll, I'll get to uh, come see you again. Yeah, dude, you let me know if you ever do that, and and we'll have a beer, or whatever. Absolutely. Yep. Um, that could have been a whole nother episode, craft beer. Oh, oh man, yeah. My girlfriend is the GM <laughs> of a craft brewery out here in, in Phoenix. I did know, I did know yeah. that. So hopefully, I'll get it's out so there good, too. dude. If you're ever out awesome. here, you let me know, bro. Twelve West, Twelve West awesome. is so good. Yeah, it's great for it's great for awesome. man. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing uh, an interesting interview. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks as always for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Black Crown Initiate with Son of War.
Die, stay.